right, y'all. Let's get started. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we are grateful for your word. How we need you, Father. You have the words of life. Where could we go? We look to you, Lord, for your guidance. We, we thank you for communicating with us through your word. And Father, as we um, have talked about today and wrestled through some issues under trying to understand your thoughts, we pray that you will give us um, ways to apply what we've learned, that we would have understanding, Lord, that we would be more like you. Lord, transform us as we spend time in your word, and we trust you to do this. By the power of your name, we ask. Amen. Years ago, my husband decided it would be a great idea for us to go camping. And I had never been camping, so I didn't know what that meant. And he had always had good experiences, so he just thought it would be a really fun thing. So knowing that I don't like to be cold or uncomfortable, he went out and bought all kinds of equipment. Now, that's back when they had most, which is kind of like dirt cheap. It was a Walmart outlet. And he bought sleeping bags, and he bought a tent, a big two-room tent that you could stand up in and zip off one part for privacy. He bought uh, propane lanterns, a propane stove, and then special poles made to hold them so it'd be at convenient height and um, easy to use. He bought dishes made just for camping, and he even bought me a propane heater because he did not want me to get cold. And he checked out all the sites of where to camp, and he picked one that had a great bathhouse, and we got the lot directly across from it. Um, It was really nice for camping. And I had thought out the menus, and I thought about the vegetables and the fruits and what I could cook easily and what would just be the easiest thing to do. So we get there, we set up the tent, Get, all, all the, get things organized. I cook supper. Everybody loved it. It was peaceful, idyllic. The boys were, ha- I mean, the Kent and Jenna were, were there. Uh, Kent was there, the only one. And then we had some friends who brought children and other relatives. And everything was just so peaceful. And I sat around the campfire thinking, you know, living in a tent wouldn't be so bad. Now, Jenna... My daughter, who's here today, was four months old, and she was unusually fussy. And normally, um, she was not an unhappy baby, and she kept crying and crying. And so I finally went to the car so as not to disturb family and friends with her crying. Finally, we both went to sleep sitting up in cold and awakened to a storm. And so we ran into the tent where it was dry and warm. It rained the rest of the night, much the next day. No problem. We had cards. We had people to talk to. We had a lot of talking time. And we had sandwiches, so we were okay. But going to the bathhouse or trying to cook was difficult because going out into the world was messy. We got our feet dirty from the mud, and it was inconvenient. But we did make it out that afternoon. The rain stopped, and we hiked up and down trails, and there was this lush greenery, beautiful pools, Wonder, um, interesting rock formations. It was glorious to look at the world around us, but we sure did get dirty. 
trekking in that wet dirt, that mud, we carried a lot of that filthiness back into our tent. Beauty amidst the filth. It was another bad night with Jenna. She uh, turned out she had an ear infection, but it made sleep difficult for all of us. And it was raining, so we stayed in the tent, and it made for uh, very grumpy people the next morning. I was starting to rethink this thing of living in tents. The rain was intermittent off and on, and we got dirt and mud on the tent floor, on the sleeping bags, on our clothes. We got tired of sandwiches because we couldn't cook outside. We were tired of being cooped up. We slept poorly on the ground. Finally, we just packed up that wet tent and that gear, piled in the car with a couple of tired children and grumpy parents. I could not wait to get back to my really nice house. And that's what I thought about today when we studied 1 Corinthians 5. Maybe, in a sense, Paul was trying to remind the Corinthians and us about what life is like in these earthly tents. He starts by contrasting the life we're living with the life that will be. And that's the topic we want to talk about today. We are temporarily living tent life. There we go. Now, I know that's a silly tent, but I'm thinking in light of eternity... That's probably what it looks like. That's us. Silly, earthly, temporary, fragile tents. We want to discuss the shortcomings of living this tent life, what our lives should look like instead, and how we can even live in such a temporary state. And just like in my camping story, we want to remember how easily we can get caught up in the occupation of living in these tents. And we forget that it's just a temporary state. God has given us a promise of an eternal home. A promise. Paul contrasts the the weaknesses of this earthly tent in which we now live with the eternal home he's promised in verses 1 through 7. So since faith comes by hearing, I'm going to read those verses again. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. I just turned 59 and I am groaning more and more. not that, we would want to, uh, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are here in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. This earthly tent in which we live, Paul contrasts the weaknesses of that to the beauty of that heavenly place. The earthly tent is to be destroyed. It causes us to groan. It's burdensome. It's mortal. It leaves us naked, unclothed. It means we are away from the Lord while we're at home in this body, and we walk by faith. 
while in that heavenly home that we're dwelled, that eternal home, that eternal, not made with hands, it's really life. It's really living. We're further clothed there. We're at home with the Lord when we're away from this body. And at that time, we will, it will be sight, no longer by faith. That sounds a whole lot better, doesn't it? <laughs> Yet living here on this earth, we forget. We forget that we have a permanent home promised to us. How can we be sure? We're told that we've been given the spirit as a guarantee, as a promise, that spirit. He lives within us, prompting us, convicting us, speaking to us, reminding us that this is just tent life. Then Paul, by the empowering and leading of the Holy Spirit, reminds us that there's a judgment to come. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And this verse prompts a question. Am I prepared to be at home with the Lord? Just a second. Had to think what my, which prop I was using. Prepared. Am I prepared? Am I guarded? Um, verse 10 says that each one will individually receive what is due for what he has done in the body. That means I can't cover for you and you can't cover for me. This is something each one of us must account for individually. Verses 20 and 20 remind us that... Um, Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. So that he took all of our sin on his perfect self and put it, and God made him to be sin. So that God put to death that sin. So that in the divine exchange, we become his righteousness. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If there's any of you in this room today who have not reconciled with God, I implore you today, this is just tent life. You need to be prepared. We also see in this chapter that God has given us a purpose for living here. We're always wanting to see what's out there, what the purpose is. We're told in this chapter, in verse 9, that our aim is to please him, whether it be at home in the body or at home with the Lord. Verse 15 says that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for their sakes, who for their sakes died and was raised. You know what that means? Those in Paul's day thought he was crazy, and they accused him of that. But Paul said it was for Christ's sake that he would endure such criticism. That means that you and I, in a very real sense, do not get to decide how we want to live. We are to live for him. That's one of our purposes. What might that look like? Well, in the very simplest of forms, it might be something like this. In the morning... It might be beginning our day while praying, okay, Lord, I'm planning to get some stuff done today, but I want to submit myself to the changes that you may order for this day. 
I want to view these interruptions as from you, that you have planned them for my day. And I will choose to see it from your perspective. And I'm going to listen to you as I move along in your direction and not my own. Maybe in its simplest form, that would be living on a daily level for him. Also, we're told in 18 and 19 that we are to be ministers of reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God by Christ, and now we've been entrusted with that same message of reconciliation. And God is making his appeal through us. Verse 20 says, doesn't that blow you away? I was thinking, I have a four-year-old grandchild, and I would think it would be like me giving her some big message I want her to go tell someone. How ridiculous that seems. And yet, in a sense, that's what God has done. He makes his appeal through us. Doesn't that blow you away? We are his ambassadors. What a responsibility. How can we do that? After all, we live in weak, fragile, earthly tents. God knows our need. Remember, he's given us his spirit. He has given us his power to live here. When I'm camping, I'm, I'm, I got the power here. <laughs> and um, God has given us his power, and we have that fire inside of us, the Holy Spirit of God. It is he who enables us to do what he's called us to do. Verse 14, Paul said that the love of Christ controls us. What might that look like? How are we to be controlled by the love of Christ? How can that happen? We have that Holy Spirit inside. He is the enabler. He does the work. He is the guide. He is the counselor. He leads us to be controlled by love. Which leads me to an application question. Do I let the love of Christ control me? You know, I can quench the spirit. I can say, well, you don't know what he's done to me. You don't know what she's done to me. And let unforgiveness keep us from extending love. I can let busyness keep me from letting the love of Christ control me. My own agenda not taking time out to love someone. Something else we might ask ourselves in application. Do I regard others according to the flesh? You know, the false prophets of this day were looking at Paul and saying, from the outward appearance, this guy's crazy. And Paul said, we need to look on the outward appearance, not on the heart. Do you judge others by the outward appearance? Have you already decided what they're like because of what you see? May God give us eyes to see the soul, to see the heart of other people. It will change the way we view them. And then perhaps the love of Christ will be shown more that it really is controlling us. 17 years ago, I learned I had a fatal form of leukemia. And I quickly learned that I was going to have to go away and live away four months in isolation. Now, I knew this wasn't a permanent thing. I was knowing that if I went ahead and moved there, I would be living there temporarily for four months, just a temporary home. Or if I died there, I wouldn't be there either anymore. So regardless, I knew that this thing was temporary. I didn't take a lot of stuff because I was just going to live there temporarily. I just kind of went back to the basics. 
And I, when I got there, my focus was on one thing, living. I wanted to live. So I was going to rest. I was going to eat the way they told me to eat. I was going to do what the doctor said. I was going to do what I could do to live for this one goal. And that one goal was all-consuming. Because of that, I wasn't worried about the stuff I left at home. I wasn't worried even about inconvenience. I wasn't worried about uh, what I didn't have with me. I was concerned with this one goal because this was just temporary. It was just temporary. And obviously, I'm standing here today, and so obviously, God's plan for me was to to live. But at the end of that four months, we had taken just a few things, and as I got better, you know, that goal became a little less clear. I knew I was going to live, so, you know, I started bringing, having stuff sent from Memphis so I would have it with me, and I needed more stuff. And while I went originally with just a few things in a car, by the time we moved back four months later, we had to get a van to move everything back. And it was a great picture to me of this life. Y'all, we are just here Intent life, temporarily. We forget the goal, the purpose that God has called us to. He has promised us an eternal home. He has given us a purpose for living. He's given us the power to live it. Are you prepared? This is just tent life. Oh God, help us to see that it's so much more than this. Let's pray. Lord, you know how distracted we get. Father, in this daily busyness and hubbub of our lives, we forget the really important. And I pray that today we would have eyes to see the eternal, the unseen, the heavenly Father, I pray that we would be more and more aware of our real calling, our real focus, that we are to be your ambassadors, that we are to live for you, that our aim is to please you. Give us eyes to see, to be aware. And Father, remove from us the things that cause us to love our tent life. We trust you, Father, to change us. In your name we pray, amen.